0: Hey there, this is Jessica Stewart, and you are listening to Finding Your Calm with Your Teenager, episode number 36. Anyone out there struggle to remain calm when dealing with your teenager? It's certainly been something that I have struggled with in my parenting journey. So that's what I'm here to help you with this podcast will give you really practical advice and tips to remain calm when dealing with your teenager, because I truly believe if you can remain calm when doing this, you can remain calm in pretty much any situation. So listen in and enjoy. Hello and welcome. So glad you're here. And what I'm talking about today is processing emotions, and around the idea of when we miss how our kids used to be, when we miss them being little. And I'm going to talk about this with reference to the emotion of grief. I'll explain that in a little bit. And I'm going to talk about the different types of grief and why it's important to recognize this emotion when it comes up, and also how to process this emotion, and really any emotion that you experience. So I want to talk about grief first and define it as well. So just a quick Google search brought up the definition as the natural reaction to loss. And so grief is both a universal and a personal experience. And really individual experiences of grief vary and are influenced by the nature of the loss. So traditionally I think, rightly so, we consider grief as when we lose somebody, when somebody dies. But we also uh, often don't think of grief in terms of the loss of other things in our lives. So I am not in any way sort of equating it or kind of ranking it in terms of, you know, what what's harder grief or anything like that. And I don't mean to diminish grief and the loss of a person in any way. But I do think it's valuable to look at grief in its more broader definition of the loss of something, the loss of the way something used to be, the even the loss of a relationship, and just recognizing that this loss could bring about negative emotions. So there. so what I what brought this up for me was just a, a Facebook post in a group that I'm a part of and it was a mom talking about really just missing the way her uh, daughter or son I, I think it was her son used to be like he you know was so cute and always wanted to be around her and you know wanting hugs all the time and I experienced this as well like this is this is what I get nostalgic for those times when my kids were little, they would always want to sit on my lap and they would always want to be around and they would want hugs all the time. And then, then that all stops and it may not stop suddenly. It's almost like it stops sort of gradually over time. And then one day we really notice that all of this part of this person that is growing and changing that those parts stop and they they just they just change and we miss the parts about that relationship as it once was so that is a form of loss and naming it as grief is helpful because we sometimes have this sort of vague sense of like of sadness and we sometimes can't put our finger on it but for me it really helped to define it as grief And so the other part of this, and what was part of this Facebook post as well, and has often been part of this for me, is that the comment about it was that this mom understood intellectually what was happening in her teenager's brain, and that it was all normal behavior, that they weren't the way they used to be as a little kid, but that somehow that didn't make it any easier. So I've pondered this a lot, a great deal in my own life and just talking about knowing things intellectually and how come that doesn't make that, make this thing any easier that we're still bothered by it. So if kind of, we think to ourselves, if we can explain it perfectly and, um, We should be able to kind of think our way into another feeling or it doesn't shouldn't feel as bad as it does. And it doesn't really work this way. So when we are feeling sadness or loss for any reason, it just doesn't work to try and really just think our way out of it. So this kind of came up as well in the pandemic when we were collectively experiencing what people described as a form of grief or people had coined the term ambiguous loss in that we were feeling sad but really couldn't put our finger on why. And it really was because we were experiencing the loss of kind of the way things used to be or the loss of just seeing our co-workers on a regular basis or being able to do the things the way we did them before. So for a time, and still some of it's lingering on, that's how we were feeling. So it was really, as soon as I heard somebody describe it as a kind of grief, I could instantly recognize that in myself. So much the same as when you're once you know, young and cute child is no longer, you know, as young and as cute, or really the same at all, you experience this loss. I know I did. And we also may try to think our way out of this being grief, because also we think about the other form of grief, when somebody actually loses somebody, so we may not acknowledge it, for ourselves that this is grief because really how dare we can, like how, who are we to say that we're experiencing grief when we know other people who've actually lost people and are experiencing that type of grief. So, but I've, I've said this before, as far as emotions and, and what I've kind of called or heard somebody call ranking pain you not experiencing your own emotions or whatever it is that you're feeling because somebody else may have it worse than you doesn't ever actually help you process anything it just ends up making you feel worse and you just holding on to all the pain because somebody may have it worse definitely does not help so this is really my case again for naming and allowing and accepting this as grief so once we can name an emotion and we can process it and stop pushing it away and investigate why we may be feeling it really only then can we begin to go can it begin to go through us and eventually lessen the negative effects Of it. And it it doesn't, this doesn't mean you never feel it again. Grief can come up over and over again, as with any emotion, in unexpected ways and really when you least expect it. But then when it does, if you have practiced identifying the emotion, allowing it to be there and not pushing it away, it becomes something that you can manage and feel without needing to escape it using some other potentially destructive means. So often when we try to escape emotions, we can do so with other things that aren't helpful to us, and then they can end up making us feel worse. So whatever it is for you, for me, it's probably food, for other people, it might be alcohol, whatever it is. So it eventually really does need to come up. And I always return to the metaphor of trying to push a beach ball underwater. And if you keep doing that, it will keep trying to pop up. So why not let it pop up to the surface and float around there for a bit while you kind of watch it and let it be there? So why are we afraid to do this? Like, Why are we afraid to feel negative emotion? And it really makes sense that we are. We often think if we allow ourselves to feel something negative and allow it to be there, that we will stay there forever. But the opposite is actually true. So once we allow ourselves to feel something without pushing it away, it can actually go through us. And I've seen this time and time again with myself. The more I push an emotion away and make it wrong, the longer it will stick around. And so here's a bit of a metaphor and i just want you to imagine your emotion is a person actually with an important message that must be delivered now the irony here is that emotions do contain important messages from our body to our our brain or ourselves emotions are very important messengers about what's really going on with us so let's go back imagine that this person with the important message knocks on your door, but you keep ignoring the knock and they know you're in the house. So then they knock louder and you keep ignoring it. So they maybe call you on the phone and you don't answer the phone. So if you had just answered the door, taken the message, kind of faced the person, took the message, it sort of would have, it definitely, not sort of, it would have prevented the escalation. So that's my case for why to do this, and why it makes sense when we don't want to do this. So just to give you some reference, wherever you are in this process, that's okay. Don't feel bad about that. So what I will offer next is a way to allow an emotion or process it. And before I say this, I just want to offer that if you're listening to this and you want to try this, I recommend using it on an emotion that or a feeling that's not like a traumatic emotion or feeling. I would recommend that if you have are thinking about trauma or if you have trauma in your life that you would get some help with that to help deal with traumatic events or processing traumatic events. I would suggest dealing with an emotion that's a little um, maybe on a scale of one to ten that's maybe more of a you know a 678 for you instead of like a 910 or off the charts okay so here's a way to do what's called really processing an emotion so once you've named it or identified it then i want you to think about going to your body with this and not your head and you may have to close your eyes to do this But how you can start is by taking a few deep breaths in and out, just to bring some awareness to your body. Your breath is the first entry point into going to your body and bringing you out of your head. So really describe what the emotion feels like in your body. Where is it in your body? Is it in your chest, your head, your neck? your shoulders? Um, Does it have a color associated with it? Does it have a shape associated with it? Does it feel soft or hard? Does it feel like hot or cold? And what is it like for you to just be with the emotions? So maybe going back to that sensation of where you feel it in your body. And the next part of it is maybe opening your eyes and looking around very slowly and assessing if you are in actual danger right now. So sometimes when we're feeling fear or whatever negative emotion is, our eyes sort of maybe darting around and we may be totally in our heads, but if you actually take time to look slowly around and assess your environment, you can sometimes remind your body and calm your body down by allowing it to know, allowing your body to know that you are actually not in physical danger here, that you're safe and you may be experiencing an uncomfortable sensation in your body, but you are in fact actually safe and that the mo- this emotion did not kill you. And I don't say that lightly. Sometimes we actually think that feeling an emotion or a negative feeling is going to kill us, which it doesn't. It never does. Um, so that is a process for processing an emotion. And this is something that takes practice. And it's actually a skill that can be learned. It's not something people are necessarily inherently born with and it's something that I think we all should be taught but we haven't been taught it's not part of what people talk about normally and the more you do it as with anything the better you will get at it and you will be able to name an emotion or notice it when it comes up and just say oh yeah this is grief this is sadness this is fear This is jealousy. This is anger. And you will go to where am I feeling this right now in my body? And you will go to that description. So try to stay out of your head for this because you can get very intellectual with it. And again, try to think your way out of it, which I live in my brain most of the time. Like I'm very much a person who's like thinks, overthinks, overthinks, overanalyzes. And the only way that I've been able to quiet this down is by going to my body and actually describing what these sensations feel like in my body. And also for me, reminding myself that I'm actually safe in this moment when I'm experiencing this emotion. So I hope you found this helpful. And if you did, I would so appreciated if you would share the episode if you would rate and review the podcast all of this really helps me to get my work out there and helps others find this so I would be forever grateful if you would do this and I thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week thanks so much for listening and I am a life coach if you didn't know and What I'm doing is I'm starting my six-week coaching program to launch it, and I'm actually looking for some people to go through it with me for free. And this is a six-week life coaching program on how to improve your relationship with your teenagers. And I'm really looking for some people to be part of this program with me to help me refine it. And I know that I can help you and get you to a place where you're feeling better about your relationship with your teenager you're feeling more confident with your parenting and you are knowing how to manage your emotions and working one-on-one with me will help you with this for sure and i would be so happy to work with you and offer you this amazing value And you would pay me with your time and I would be so grateful for the opportunity to coach you if you're interested. So I am going to leave my email address in the show notes. And if you are interested in a space, please feel free to email me and we can talk about it and jump on a call and see if this might be something that you would be interested in doing. I absolutely believe that this coaching that we have learned has been the best thing for me and for my relationship with my teenagers first and foremost but all of the relationships in my life and I know for sure that I can help you achieve this as well so I can't wait to hear from you